Weirdo bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies. It's Sandra. And this is Scott. This is a special episode. It's your birthday episode. Happy birthday to you. No more. Can't pay the rights. Can't no, afford the, the rights. No, nope. can't afford that. Nope. But happy um, birthday. Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys are listening to this. It is my birthday week. There's all sorts of fun festivities planned for the week, uh, including this podcast episode. But let me tell you what this episode is going to entail. The first part of this episode is going to be our review of a horror Western book, which, as we know, is kind of a subgenre that I'm like super in love with, like Southern Gothic and like Western horror. It's kind of your jam. It's kind of my jam. And this is by John Bowden, and it's called Walk the Darkness Down. It's got a super sick cover. We did post a picture of it on our Instagram, but we'll probably post some more pictures this oh, week. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. So this is a really awesome book that we got to review. So super stoked to review this. We're not going to do a spoiler section for it because it is rather short. It is, Um. it's kind of a novella. It is like 153 pages long. So we're just going to kind of say like our opinions of the book really and, you know, who we think this book might be a good fit for and so on. And after that, we have a really exciting conversation with Jimmy Cajolas. Yes, one of our favorite writers um, and like one of our favorite like people <laughs> in general who we absolutely adore. You might remember Jimmy wrote um, a couple books we reviewed. Uh, we did The Good Demon last year and then we did My profits this year and we interviewed jimmy for that book as a fun birthday present for sandra we got together and recorded an entire segment on our favorite cult movies yeah and not like not like cult movies but like movies about cults (laughs) and shady organizations yeah exactly yeah um Yeah, like organizations that like one gives their lives for and whatnot, like that kind of cult, my favorite kind of cult. And um, Scott likes that kind of stuff, too. And Jimmy obviously likes that kind of stuff, too. And we just kind of geek out about that. And it's absolutely amazing beyond beyond thankful that we have Jimmy like in our lives now to talk about horror with because I just want to talk about horror all the time. And you know, I want to talk about sci-fi and fantasy a large majority of the time as well. But, you know, I got to have horror people at my disposal. So some festivities we kind of wanted to plug this week. We have a new water feature. (laughs) You mean our studio has a leak? Yes, uh, uh, a pretty dramatic one. (laughs) Yeah. So that's cool. Um... I don't know if I really want to plug that. I mean, I want to plug it. I've always wanted a water feature. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's great. It's totally right where (laughs) we would want it to be as well. Like totally ideal location in our in our studio. It's Um, where the books live. I mean, all of the places it had to be where the books live. And of course, when it like when we noticed it, it was like, oh, my God, save the books. And we like started like a little fire line, like grab the book, pass the book, grab the book. And Stitches was carrying books in her teeth. It was very dramatic. (laughs) No, we have something else to plug. If you are in the Northern California area this week, get some tickets for the Roxy 14 cult film series and come hang out with me and scott will be there too absolutely (laughs) for my birthday screening of rosemary's baby we wish jimmy could 
come to this. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would Jimmy be could come. the best. But if you live in Northern California, you should go online and buy some tickets and come down and see us. Come come hang out. Come meet us. Come meet us. I'll be there with the ladies from um, my other show, Spooky Slumber Party. And then, of course, the cult film series <laughs> is part of our, my third show I do, which is the cult show, where we kind of talk about the movies being screened or sometimes not being screened in the cult film series. But they're all, you know, kind of culty horror movies. And it's so much fun. Fun. I love all my shows so, so much. It's the Sandra Podcast Network. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's the Sandra Podcast Network. And, you know, come on down and enjoy the best movie of all time on the big screen. All right. I guess we should talk about Walk the Darkness Down. I'm just going to go with the cover. Okay. Okay. Walk the Darkness Down by John Bowden. Some things are older than time, older than darkness. A man made of scars, evolving to carry out the dark wishes of the ancient whispers in his head. He's building a door, and what's on the other side is terrifying. Jones spent a lot of time living bottle to bottle and trying to erase things. Now he's looking for the man who killed his mother, and searching for himself as well. Keaton is running from his past, and suffering alone until he meets Jubal, an orphan who carries his sisters in a sling. Every line is not a straight line, yet everything must converge. I'm going to stop it there. All right. Leave you wanting just a little bit more. So normally we kind of talk this through and everything, but I I want you to start with your experience score. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, As my mom would say, this book takes you on a trip without ever leaving the farm. (laughs) I haven't heard that one before. I like that. Oh, yeah. My mom says that one. And... I mean, I could not think of a more apt way to describe this book. It is a trip with like a capital T. Um, This book is not what I expected at all. Um, I've never read a book quite like this. Um, It's bizarre. It's macabre. It's grotesque. And it's awesome. Um, this book is something else. He packs a wall up into 153 pages that I don't know a lot of authors could do that. Like, they, they, that they could do that, that they could get it so, so much to say and so much theme and so much kind of eldritch horror meets Western and poetic flowery language. Um, yeah, what an experience. I'm very happy I read it. I don't think every book I read could be like this book where I'd probably lose my mind. Yeah, it might go a little crazy. But I am really happy that I read this. So I have to say this book comes down into two different halves with me. I almost think of it in th- three pieces, but definitely yeah. two. But let's say two halves. Yeah. So so the first half, um, I honestly have to say it was a struggle. Mm. Um it kind of just starts yes. just right off the bat. It just drops you right in the middle of this this world without a lot of explanation. There's like no preamble. There's, There's no exposition, nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're introduced to these characters just in, just in the middle of their stories, really. And... It, I had some trouble with um with really getting invested in it for you know because of that and you know there's a few you know little nitpicks that I that that for me could be because I broke my glasses but the fonts didn't really cooperate with me mm-hmm. uh, particularly the italic 
portion at the beginning just it, it's it i had some trouble again didn't have my glasses so that might have been part of the problem um but 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 really content wise it just starts so bizarre so what was your kind of overall experience well so that was struggle that was struggle Mm. but after things started getting moving around about the halfway point and things as as it says kind of start to be revealed kind of start to converge i really actually have to put it into the good read category i was really interested in what was going to happen and where these characters were going to go so i have to i have to give it both those scores with yeah and with a short story that's kind of interesting yeah i would say for me it was like a good read in the first act or a couple of acts and then the last um the last act if you will was a page turner Mm. um i really like when the band is kind of getting together so to speak and it's kind of cooking like that um it is jarring to be just dropped into i mean it's our world it's the american west but um like with but like with nothing um uh, I don't want to say who my favorite character is because it's a spoiler, but I have two other favorite characters. But my two favorite characters are Kellyanne and Jubal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this book is kind of a, a parable, as it said on the back. I think that's a really good word for it. You know, we have these three stories uh, from three different narrators, Keaton, Jubal, and Jones, and Levi as well. But he's, well, we got we got a couple different perspectives going on. Yes. And they do converge at some point. But for the most part, you're kind of following these different threads and you're kind of wondering how will these all converge together? And it's a dark, dark, twisted tale. And it really is gory. It's gross, yes. which I love. It really is. It goes there in a lot of places, um, particularly with Levi, who's the first character you're introduced to, who is just... You know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm, I'm no, I, This is not a spoiler. Okay. But my favorite characters, let me rework that. Okay. Kellyanne. Yes. Jubal. Yes. Aggie. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. That doesn't really surprise me at all. Nope. Yeah. I loved him. This is a book that is really good for people who just like to have a a, a sense of dread and and horror without all of the um without all the extra bits. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I was thinking of when I was reading this is like we talk a lot about, you know, this is for our horror fans, for our horror people like me, and um I always like to find horror fans something different. And this book is something different. Like, if you're kind of feeling, I don't know, maybe in a little bit of a horror rut, and you're like, ah, I want something that's going to blow my mind. I want something that I'm not going to expect and that I'm not going to be able to predict what's going to happen and just doesn't feel like route or tropish. I would say read Walk the Darkness Down. I agree with that. Because it's not super long, and it'll be a nice palate cleanser for you to be like, wow, I'm kind of like i'm ready for something weird something's gonna blow my mind as a horror fan i I think i think i think it's more than even just a palate cleanser it's really kind of inspirational in a way it makes you you're the me i don't know the words to that song uh because it's not like a it's not like a a dessert read that you read in between books to just kind of like just kind of like you know bring yourself up a little bit and get ready for the next no this one time book no i mean (laughs) 
what is this 160 pages not this even is, this is a novel this is a novel. like i said it's like he took a shoehorn and he's like i, I can get i can get a novel into this yeah and he did yeah he i mean he did a really great job and some of the writing in here there's there's a few things that are going to go kind of on my my uh non-existent mindscape quote wall oh yeah like if you guys have been listening to the show for a while you'll know that some really dark fantasy some of the really darker side and especially the really dark horror stuff really stays in Scott's mind to the point where he thinks um, it was a movie. And he'll tell me like, what movie was it that had this or that thing in it? And it's Uh like, no, that was a book. It's just, it paints such a picture that sticks to his mind walls. And I can see this. I mean, there's a few things that's gonna stick to mine as well. There's a few tarry, gritty little bits that's gonna be real real hard to wash out of there there's one thing in particular and i'm gonna read it that will kind of stick with me for a very long time and he's describing time the dead thing is a day and them flies are hours hours eat the day them maggots wriggling and squirming in there and the ants fighting for their tiny claim that be minutes and seconds they eat up the hours regardless of how many of them minutes seconds and hours there are at the end of it all the days that stitch into months and on into years at the end of it all it's just a pile of bones and some dusty bits of hide i remember that part exactly when you said it oh. i mean that is like that is big stuff. That is good writing. That is big stuff. And there's two more that I have bookmarked in this book that are worth reading this book just for those little those little tidbits, those little those little joys. It's so descriptive and so beautiful. It really is. Um, I said flowery. I said poetic. If you're not the type of reader, which Scott is generally not that type of reader, I think for you, it, it would depend on the setting. Like this book is meant to be written in that language. But if you're not that kind of reader, obviously that's going to bother you. Like the flowery, poetic, um, dense wordsmith language. I actually really liked that part of it. Um, yeah, for this setting, for this yeah. story, yeah. And and, and he I, does. I mean, I like that stuff. Anyway, yeah. yeah, he does a great job of writing that dialect without it becoming uh, grating. Because yes. I, I do have problems with dialects being written a lot of times, but in this, it, it works so well. He's He knows exactly when t- to use it and when not to. Uh, as far as the writing, the thing that threw me off the most, that's one of my biggest, uh, you know, the tropes that bother me is it does switch between present tense and past tense. See, that's so funny. I regularly. know that bothers you because I don't even notice that. Yeah, it, it does it quite regularly. Yeah. And at first I thought it was, okay, that's what the uh, that's what the italics are and that's what the non-italics are. And then <laughs> that was subverted. And yeah. it just, I was just, you know, kind of melting into the couch in just, my, my brain was exploding a little bit. <laughs> and that's a me thing. It's a you thing, but um, I mean, I think for people who are more savvy to that, it's a disorientation that was purposeful. Yes, and I, I do, I do believe that. I think that that specific feeling was intentional, <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> um, yeah, the characters in this book are folks of few words. They have deep thoughts sometimes, and there's really big concept stuff going around them, but not a lot of. Uh, quippy, fiery dialogue. This is more expositionary stuff. 
it's very much this happens and then this happens and then this happens. There's not a lot of explanation. No. There's not a lot of background given. Nope. And in this, that is its purpose. That is its point. And while I will say that's not for everyone, um, I think that there's a lot of horror fans out there that are really going to dig the style of this book. Yeah, and I think maybe even people who like to read um, weird fiction and like to read uh, poetry, especially kind of like epic, lots of stanza poetry. I think this could be something if they wanted to dip a toe into horror, they're probably going to have a lot of nightmares. But, um, <laughs> but you know, that's... Uh, that's good. I mean, if you read a scary book, you should have a nightmare. You, you should. That's kind of the that's kind of the best part. It's kind of like how we like doing corn mazes because you want to get lost. Like, is that fun? Like, you got to get lost a little. So, yeah, for Sandra's birthday, you should read "Walk Down the Darkness." Walk the darkness down. Walk, walk, walk Take to the, the moon. <laughs> Put a leash on it. <laughs> walk the darkness down by John Bowden. All right. I guess we're going to leave it at that. I mean, we don't want to do too much for a novella. Either this has gripped you and you're like, I'm curious enough to spend 150 some odd pages with John Bowden and his crazy cast of characters or not. But uh, obviously, we think you should. It's a short little time, a little investment to just read something really freaking different. Without further ado, we're going to take just a little break, and then we're going to talk about cults with Jimmy. Hi, Genre Junkies. Welcome to a very special episode. It's my birthday episode. Happy birthday, Sandra. Woohoo! And for such a special occasion, we brought in a third co-host. <laughs> Welcome back Hi. to the show. <laughs> there he is. Welcome back to the show, Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. This is Jimmy Kajolis, one of our favorite authors and a horror nerd like Sandra. So we decided to have him on. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Oh my gosh. No, it's it's totally our pleasure. It's awesome to get to talk horror with you. And I mean, obviously, it's like I said, my birthday episode. And everybody knows I'm obsessed with cults and religious factions, and especially when they do creepy things. So we were like, hey, let's just like do an episode about movies that reflect that. Oh, I'm super stoked. Yes. And you are, um, I, I mean, I kind of want to say you're like a little bit of an expert on cults and weird religious church people from your books. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I will. I, if I'm an expert, it's a, <laughs> um, I don't have a degree in it or anything, <laughs> but uh, I have, you know, I've seen my fair share of things in my life and I'm happy to talk about it. I love it. Love it. And uh, both of your books have like, really cool overtones of religious organization and also um, cults. So I love it. So we kind of get to promote you and also hang out with you. So it's like this win-win situation. Yeah, I, I'm really happy. You know, it's it's hard to find people who want to talk about things like scary movies and cults, <laughs> especially <laughs> religious cults in real life. <laughs> so this is really nice. I'm glad that we can do it on a, on a podcast. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm used to that. I'm sure you are too. Like our whole lives, people are like, oh my gosh, what a weirdo. What a creepy little person who just wants to talk about this stuff. So it's nice to find our fellows. Yeah. 
So before we get started to our main topic, I want to ask you, have you seen anything genre-related recently that you uh, that you really enjoyed or wanted to talk about? Sci-fi, fantasy, or horror? Uh, me personally? Yeah. Uh, I saw that movie Ready or Not in the theater, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Ooh, okay. I heard really good things about that. Yeah, it was totally fun. It was funny. People were like cheering and clapping. It had a uh, yeah, it had everything you want in it. I think even my dad liked it. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I heard people were like, it was this really pleasant surprise. They weren't expecting to like so much. And anytime people are like cheering and laughing in a horror movie, that's that's always good. Yeah, and it also had um I always forget the actor's name. It's the guy who plays Seth Cohen on uh the O C from if you guys remember that show from a million years ago. Adam Brody. He's in it. Oh. And I, I always have a soft spot for him. <laughs> You're like, I knew you when. Sanders, did you watch The O.C.? Did not. I, I didn't either. <laughs> but I'm aware of it existing. And the I people- think I'm showing my age. Yeah, I totally watched The O.C. And uh, yeah, and, and cared about it, even. <laughs> That's a thing. What, what about you guys? Have you guys seen anything cool lately? Ooh, let's see. Well, we did some rewatches for Halloween. We rewatched The Evil Dad, the original, which is always a good time. On the big screen, which Uh. was really cool with the new remastered soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Nice. And um, we also watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, because I'm going to be reviewing that for one of my other shows, The Cult Show. And it was a total failure of mine. Scott had never seen it. And it's like one of my favorites. Oh, it's a perfect movie. I I love that movie. It's so beautiful. It is beautiful. It's like this art house horror film ahead of its time. Gorgeous shots. I will say I, that the cinematography was was very special. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Like I yeah. took my friend, the writer Megan Abbott, uh, oh. to see it because she had never seen it before. Um, and uh, we walked out and she was so excited. She's it's like a Terrence Malick movie. Yes. It's so beautiful. And I was like, it is. And then, you know, everybody starts dying. <laughs> it's so... It is. It's just extremely beautiful, super low budget, incredibly scary movie. I, I yeah. adore it. That's what I told Scott. I'm like, they made this movie for like twenty dollars. <laughs> it's amazing. Toby Hooper, love him. Me too. He's definitely one of my my favorites. Many people's and um, Marilyn Burns in that movie. I just think she has the greatest scream. Absolutely. And, oh man. And poor Leatherface. He's such a sweetheart with all his different little faces he wears. Yeah, and his, you know, his poor, his family's so mean to him. Yes, he's hit with a stick on a regular basis. And he's just yeah. trying to take care of the family, his mom making dinner. When he puts on mom's hair and mom's oh, house yeah. coat. <laughs> um, I know, well, you know, there's the scene, you know, when she sort of like wakes up and then sees that she's at the table with everybody. Uh, like that, you know, it's, it's the primal fear of, of being at a dinner table with a bunch of people that you're terrified of which oh. <laughs> it's like visiting someone else's family amen oh my gosh absolutely which um yeah that's uh why we're gonna do it for the cult show is because we were like we need a thanksgiving movie what's a nice family thanksgiving movie <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfect i mean yep. it really is the terror of the the dinner table i, I yep. can't remember um, a long time ago, a friend of mine said something along the lines of like, uh, every, the scariest scenes in every movie are, are at the family dinner table. Uh. Um, 
because it's where you know you have to act a certain way, but there's nothing but subtext the whole way through. Everybody's got an agenda. Yes, you know, it's it's where you're trying not to fight, but you always wind up fighting. Oh my god, that is actually profound. That's a really strong observation. Yeah, you see, it, it's the tensest scene in every you know even non-scary movies when everybody sits down to dinner and you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's about to get real, especially if you pour a little alcohol on the situation. Completely. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about that now. That's one of those things that I'm I'm gonna be keeping in mind when I watch movies. It pops up way more than you think it will. Yeah. Who did you say made that observation to you? I I want to say it was. Well, we're just going to credit it to you now. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Well, you know, I'll take it. So. <laughs> Isn't that what they say? Great artists steal outright. Yeah, I think T.S. Eliot said that. But I, I don't know. I'm always, I don't want to steal. <laughs> <laughs> give the credit to whoever deserves it. But, I know, uh, right? Yeah, I, Cite my sources in MLA format down below. It's hard to verbally cite sources on the spot. I'm, I'm learning that. I admire podcasters' ability to do that. Oh, man, it's hard. That and a pronunciation of people's names. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, we're so sorry for the first episode. <laughs> oh, no, it's completely okay. You know, um, I, no one has ever said my name right the first time, um, <laughs> ever. So it's totally cool. Um, I also mispronounce everyone's name because, one, I'm from the South, and two, I, I have no idea how you're supposed to say anything. So... <laughs> If you hear me calling, you know, saying the wrong names of any of these people, please just interrupt me and tell me I'm wrong. Same, so. same here. No, I, yeah, we're all just doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a disclaimer before every episode. Everybody's just doing their best. They're trying to pronounce things. Forgive yeah, them. Crazy names. We, we do our best. <laughs> well, I think it'd be fun to get right into it. And um, I kind of thought maybe should we start with like our... I mean, I don't know if anybody put these in favorites order. I didn't really, except for I have one that's my number one favorite. Okay. Um, so we're starting with the favorites? I don't know. Or should we lead up to the favorites? I'm like a five-year-old. Start with the candy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I, think maybe we should leave the favorite for last. All right. All right. That's, that's, my, that's my... I guy. can be persuaded. Sounds good to me. All right. All right. Um, let's see. Would you, who should go first? Should I go first? Should Jimmy go first? Absolutely. You should go first. <laughs> it's all your right. birthday after all. That's right. All right. So for my first mention, this is kind of weird because it's actually a segment in an anthology. So, okay. so it's almost like a little half scene. And this would be the segment Safe Haven from the movie VHS 2. Oh, I was trying to think. Uh, now that you said that, I know exactly which one you're talking about. I was yeah. trying to think of where that one was from because yes. I knew it was like a short story. Yes, that is actually a fantastic cult film. Yeah. What about? Have you seen that, Jimmy, or any of the VHS? Oh, movies? I think I've seen it a long time ago, but I don't yeah. remember the segment exactly. So please tell me about it. Oh well, why don't I? <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, from, there's a few in this series, VHS. Um, I'm a big fan of all of them. Let me just start out by saying I'm a found footage person. Um, I'm totally fine with just ignoring continuity, plot holes, how it all fits together. And I just enjoy a found footage ride. So that's me. And um, these uh, anthologies are all 
composed of found footage segments and they're kind of like these weird not quite snuff films but that people seek out and become obsessed with that are recorded on vhs and in safe haven now this is where the butchering comes in um it's directed by timo uh tahanto and gareth hugh evans um indonesian filmmaker so that's why i you know, I'm trying to pronounce that, and I think I pronounce it how you would in Spanish. <laughs> Not in yeah, I mean, looks looks good to me. Yeah. But. Okay. Good. I'm sorry, Tima. I love you. Um, <laughs> so this is a little segment where four members of a news crew are going to kind of um, interview an Indonesian cult, kind of like documentary style. And when they get there, it actually turns out that they've arrived on the day of reckoning for the cult. Um, wow. It's incredibly bloody, gory. Um, it's mostly in Indonesian, though the actors do speak English, and some of it's in English. Um, and it is bizarre and trippy and darkly funny um, and just over-the-top disgusting. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I was hoping you'd say. And, of course, uh, you know, it's a cult, so there's... Uh, let me just say a little, little trigger warning for all of these that we mentioned. There could be mass suicide involved. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sold. Yeah, absolutely. That's what Gosh. I wanted to hear. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's creepy and it's weird. And I'm always trying to watch more foreign horror because um, I love uh, horror and sci-fi from different countries because I love to see what different societies are like afraid of, you know? Absolutely. Um, did you see on that really quick? Did you see um, the movie? Oh, what was it called? Under the Shadow? Yes. Great what did you movie. think of that? I thought it was great. Me too. I thought yeah. it was fantastic. And I guess that's set in Iran. Yes. Uh, yeah, that movie blew me away. I just, it was scary. It was such a classic, mm. like, haunted house thing, but it was yeah. an apartment building during a bombing. It was so smart. Never it, seen anything like it. No, absolutely. Because it's set in the, like, 70s, I want to say, when um, all of that kind of civil discord was, like, erupting. And so it's already scary. And then you just make it even stranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just realized I don't think that I saw VHS too. I think I only saw the first one. So oh. I need to get on that. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think I liked I think I liked VHS two better than the first one, and I loved the first one. And then I think you liked three better than two, if I recall. I think you might be right, actually. <laughs> Wow. Okay. It's a cool, really I strong series. I, I wish they they continued to make them. Oh yeah. So Jimmy, what's uh what's on your list? Yeah, give us one. Okay, I know that this is probably the worst way to start this. Um, <laughs> this movie is not a straightforward horror movie, but I really love it, and it has horror elements. Does that count? Is that Absolutely. okay? Absolutely. Have you guys seen Martha Marcy May Marlene? Oh, I have not seen that. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so, and it's the kind of scary, there's not like a jump scare or anything, but like you think about it the, that night as you're sleeping and then the next day and it makes you paranoid. At least it made me very paranoid. Uh, I really loved it. Uh, it's. Do you know what it's about at all? It, well, I know it's about, um, it's got one of the Olsons in it. <laughs> yes. And that she, I think she escapes a cult. Yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, it's it sort of starts with her escaping the cult and then calling her sister 
um, who's played by Sarah Paulson to come and ah. pick her up. Oh my God. And, uh, you know, and her sister's like, where have you been? And she's like, I don't want to talk about it, you know? And then mm-hmm. her sister takes her to go live with her and her husband and, um, they're like lake house and it's like super nice and fancy. And she can't, um, Elizabeth Olsen's character can't seem to adjust to it at all because mm. she's been living in a, like a cult for two years and it's right. like a very abusive, vicious cult. And she keeps having flashbacks and kind of hallucinating cult members everywhere. Ooh. She's convinced they're coming to get her again. It just keeps getting more and more tense. And the more, uh, the more you like find out about what she went through and everything. And, um, Oh, it's just great. <laughs> it's so scary <laughs> like, and so terrifying. And um, it's also got a tremendous ending, which I know most, you know, an ending is the hardest thing in the world to do right. And this movie just, it just gives you something that lingers. So that's that's one I really love. Oh, okay. Oh, I appreciate that endorsement. It's just one of those that have gotten away from me, but I, I meant to see it. And um, I love that with kind of cult movies, uh, paranoia goes like hand in hand with that. Mm-hmm. I love paranoia. That movie. Absolutely. That movie might get watched tonight. Yeah. That that Ooh. sounds really good. <laughs> I think you guys would like it. I mean, it really, it's really unnerving and it sort of seems to, from what I've read, a lot of people talking about it who have come out of cults and things like that. And they're like, well, this movie is exactly, you know, it speaks to the actual experience of, of leaving something. So kind of cool. No, that's fantastic. Well, I don't have a whole lot of films on my list. Um, As we discussed before we started recording, I'm a bit of a baby when it comes to cult films. But I'm going to start with one that I think might that's probably definitely on Sandra's list and might be on yours too, Jimmy. And that's The Endless. Yes. Yes. Yay! That movie is amazing. It is so good. And it is one of the best representations of brothers I think I've ever seen on the screen. Absolutely. Great. Uh, no, that was on my um on my kind of honorable mentions list. So I appreciate you mentioning that. And I'm so glad that you've seen that, Jimmy. So many people have not seen this movie. It's a crime. Yeah, it's it was actually on my list. So <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. I feel good about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw it at IFC in um in Manhattan, IFC Center, and I like walked in, watched it, like left got dinner and then came back and watched it again. Ah. <laughs> I love the the effects and just the character work in that story mm-hmm. and it's really chilling how 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 just supernaturally real that cult actually is mm-hmm. in that story and the the loops that they go through is just frightening to me. Mm-hmm. And the, the sci-fi element to it. Well, yes, absolutely. It's a sci-fi horror film. It's a sci-fi Eldritch horror film. And it's just, it made me so happy. <laughs> Completely. Well, I've never seen sort of time travel and time loops. Well, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anything. But sure. there's like, there's the way they do all of the time work in that is so fantastic. I've never seen anything like it. No, I agree. It's such an original way to present that story. 
And um, also really funny sometimes, which I appreciate. There's moments where you'll lull. And uh, I just felt so much compassion for those brothers. I, I can't, I don't know. They just really worm their way into your heart. They have such great chemistry. They have this codependence about them that's just so real about siblings. I mean, obviously their relationship is a little bit damaged from where they came from. But I see a lot of similarities in the way that Sandra and her sister Amanda interact. <laughs> That kind of that kind of reliance on each other, that dependence on each other, mm. that that looking to the other one for for kind of who they want to be and what they want to do, yeah. and that kind of rebelliousness against that at the same time. Yeah, and we were both raised in a UFO death cult, so what? <laughs> <laughs> I kid, don't I wish? <laughs> I was about to say, please tell us more. (laughs) I've been with Sandra for 13 years, and I was like, please tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know I'm obsessed with aliens. No, no, I I just agree. I don't have enough good things to say about that movie. It's so smart. It's just a smart, smart movie. Yeah, I also have this simple just, um, yeah, they escaped from the cult, but like maybe things were better back in there. Yes. That's just a, I mean, that's a totally valid feeling. You, you want to go back to the place where everyone loved you, your food was organic, yep. um, and all of your questions were answered. Yes. Because that's, that's like a comfortable, safe place. It, it's, it's about wanting this community back. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I, I think it's a really beautiful, powerful idea. It keeps you from faulting anyone. Yes. You know, for the decisions they make. Abs- 100% because there was wonderful things about the way they were living. It's it's funny you mention that because I think the the cult films and cult stories that I enjoy tend to have an element of that of well maybe maybe being in this cult isn't so bad. Maybe maybe it's kind of okay. Yeah. <laughs> to have a yeah. sense of tribe and belonging and yeah. Well, I mean, that's I, I, that's part of what's so universal about these movies is, and, and these stories, I think, is that, you know, with a little bit of a tweak, it's a utopia. It's a, it's a place where we all wish we could go. Yeah. Minus the whole death, you know, death culty aspect of it. <laughs> I mean, that's how they get you. Well, right, right. Yeah. Right. It's like just with a few adjustments, it would have been perfect. What the hell? Um, okay, I guess I'm up. All right, my next film is uh, one that's pretty darn popular, uh, very beloved, 2009, The House of the Devil by Ty West. Love that one. Yes. Scott, you're looking confused, but you love this movie. Do I? I don't remember it. So I'll remind you and everybody (laughs) at home, this is the one, it's an homage to 70s, 80s films. Um, It's set in the 80s. It's uh, also kind of satanic panic. The girl goes to babysit. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. She goes to a babysitting gig on the eclipse, and it turns out that uh, she's not watching a baby. She's watching an older woman, but she still kind of goes along with it. And in a way, it's a real slow burn. And we find out uh, just what she's babysitting in this house. And um, yeah, it's simple sometimes the best things are just simple and that's this movie for me oh it's it's totally wonderful and you know also low-key completely great uh early greta gerwig role in there yes it's the friend she's so good in it she is great and also a teenager's obsession with pizza especially in the 80s (laughs) (laughs) we'll even eat poison pizza 
it, it, it's funny because this is not the first time Sandra and I have had this conversation where she's talked about it. And, like she's she's said the name of the movie and I don't remember it. And then she reminds me and I immediately do. I did love that movie. And I yes. think my brain blocks it out when we're not when we're not <laughs> regularly talking about it because it really I, I really liked it, but it really disturbed me. And I think yeah. I think that's why my brain just kind of blocks it out from remembering that film. <laughs> As like self defense, it puts up a wall. Well, it's so. I mean, it's it's a really scary movie, and the it's it is such a slow burn that it keeps like lulling you into this feeling of safety. You know, like yeah. when she's dancing through the house with her headphones on, and you're like, "Don't dance through the house, and no, like, please don't, don't do it." And then, but then you start to be like, "Okay, no, it's cool. We're dancing. Nothing bad's gonna happen." And then, yeah, you know. Everything bad happens. <laughs> the worst bad happens. <laughs> and there's like, you know, kind of like, I like movies like this where there was almost like a warning. Like, because remember when she first tries to get the babysitting gig, he stands her up and her friend's like, yeah, this is this is dumb. But she's so desperate for the money that she um, gives him another chance. And it's almost like, you know, in the audience, we're like, no, no, that was probably like, you know, just say no, just say no. This was like your chance to escape. Yeah. Oh, and her friend takes down all of the other, uh, like, uh, call this number signs, you know, so nobody yes. else gets a job either, which is like everything is like she almost gets out and then, bam, is just brought, uh, brought right back in. Yes. And Ugh. a great ending, great climax. And it just feels gritty and dirty in, eight, in like 1980. Yeah, absolutely. Such a scary ending. And it's got, I love Tom Noonan um, yeah. so much. Oh my He's God. always. So scary. Yes, bless his heart. Yeah, he was, he's just fantastic. Uh, yeah, that ending, that ending scarred me. <laughs> so, um, you ooh. and me both. <laughs> <laughs> really quickly, have you seen a movie called Late Phases with Tom Noonan in it? I don't think I've seen Late Phases. Oh my Tell gosh. Okay, everybody, I don't want to say too much without um spoiling it, but um we don't get a whole lot of movies from him anymore. So, you know, it's one of those to look out for. And this is a little bit older. It's 2014. And he's uh, co-stars in it with um, Nick De- Demisi, who and Larry Fessenden is in it. And it's oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, it's all-star cast. And it's about a retirement community. And there's some deadly attacks going on. And this kind of grizzly old veteran moves in. And he's going to find out who's killing other people in the community. And I don't want to say much more than that. Yeah. That's oh cool. This is awesome. You're giving me more movies to to watch. Us too. Yes, us too. And it's directed by Adrian Garcia Bolaño, I believe. Ooh. Anyway, good movie. (laughs) Tom Noonan. We're looking at you, Tom. Yeah. Um and like Ty West did House of the Devil. Um did how do you feel about the rest of his movies? Have you have you seen many of those? Yeah, I've seen uh, I think everything else he's done. I'm a fan of his work. Um, I've never, you know, attended any panels or anything with him in person. I've never met him. Uh, but I, I like a lot of his movies for sure. Yeah, I think they're really good. I saw him speak at, um, a thing at, at the Brooklyn Academy of Music like three years ago, nice. I think four years ago. It was for the, the Western he did. And, oh, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Uh, actually, I think it was uh, In a Valley of Violence. But I do oh, love Bone yes. Tomahawk. Yes, yes, Bone yes. Tomahawk's amazing. Okay, cool, yeah. 
Yeah, but what, what Taiwan said that I really liked it is his attitude towards this was like, yeah, man, just make the movie. <laughs> he yeah. kept saying that. He kept being like, you know, we got a year, we got some funding. What can we do? Let's make a movie. And he just seemed so happy to just have the chance to make things, you know, yeah. and like just being like, well, you know, it might suck, but let's just get it. Let's get it. Let's go ahead and start. Start tomorrow. Yeah. And he kind of had that attitude and that energy. And it, it seems to come through in his movies to me. So. Um, this is, oh my gosh, let me just put it this way. Did anybody else pick another Ty West movie on their list? N- no, <laughs> no, Did but you? I, I think I know what you're talking about. The sacra- <laughs> the sacrament was on my honorable mentions. That is a bloody, bloody movie. Yeah. And, um, I do enjoy it, but, um, and I did think it was a good movie, but I didn't love it as much as I love my other movies on this list. Yeah, I, I, I struggled with that one a little bit because on one hand, it is a really, really good just sort of breakdown of, of Jonestown. Yeah. Um, but another, I don't know, it, it didn't quite bring something new to the table in the way that I think his movies tend to. Ex- um, that's a really wonderful way to put it because um, I am, of course, like many people, really fascinated by Jonestown and it's heartbreaking and, you know, makes you emotional and also like a train wreck. You can't look away. And I just felt like it was, yeah, a little, a little more play by play and not enough. Um, kind of creativity i guess sounds really harsh i don't i don't mean it that harsh but it's still a completely effective and like terrifying movie i mean there is mm-hmm. some violence in that that i, I will never forget yeah <laughs> <You know>? amen <laughs> as much as i would possibly like to but good lord yeah that's a good one i i, I enjoyed that one a lot all right um you're up oh okay wow um <laughs> Okay, I jumped this this might be just totally out of the blue. I jumped way way back to 1943 <gasps> with one of my all-time favorite movies, The Seventh Victim. Oh my gosh, never seen it. It's like a it's I okay, my favorite one of my favorite people in all of horror history is um the producer, writer and occasionally director Val Luton. Okay. Um he uh In like five years, he made nine really great scary movies for RKO um, and like from 42 to like 46, I think. And they were like cat people, curse of the cat people. I've seen Um, cat people. (laughs) Yeah, these are are just movies that like I loved when I was a kid and I still love them. And like, even though they aren't quite as like jump out and scare you scary anymore. Yeah, um, they have like there's enough strange and disturbing things about them. That I, you know, I just love. Um, and uh, I guess, like, he also did um, I Walked with a Zombie. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, just the, there's, like, they're all, like, classics in their own way. But, um, well, you know, these are just uh, important movies to me. But um, uh, The Seventh Victim, it, it takes place in Greenwich Village in New York in the 40s, which is, wow. you don't get a lot of cult movies set in the city. No. Which is kind of cool um it's super it's like a super weird super slow burn movie about this uh woman who is informed that her sister is missing so she leaves her like convent school and goes to the city to find her missing sister Mm -hmm. who uh has sort of gotten wrapped up in the satanic cult and she teams up with all of these people to try and find her and get her sister back and it's a movie of you know 
it's it's a lot of darkness, a lot of uh, like creeping dread. Like Val Luton's whole thing was he had no budget. They basically made these movies in two months with no budget. I love it. And uh, yeah, and he was like, whatever I can show you won't be as scary as what you can as scary as what you can imagine. Yes. So so much of the movie is just shot in you know dark black and like very bright white. So you can't really mm. see a lot of what's happening. Like there's a lot of walking down a dark alley and then running back out and, uh-huh. you know, sound effects. But anyway, I know it's an old one. It's yeah. really good. It's really strange. And uh, it, it's got some images in it that you'll never forget. Ooh. That's my blurb on that one. No. Is it kind of noirish? would you say? Yes, very much Ooh, so. Okay. No, I, I love older horror movies. Um, You know, horror movies from any decade, there's always good ones, but I have not seen that. Hey, I think you'd like it. I mean, again, it's from the 40s. It definitely, you know, it has its elements that are like, oh, yeah, wow. But um, <laughs> it's, a, it's just a strange, strange movie. And it goes into a, a dark... Uh, a really dark place. One of the things that Val Luton said when he was making the movie is he wanted to make a movie about how death is good. Ooh. With a tagline like that. It's a, yeah, it's a good one. Okay, uh, you're up. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> All right, well, my next one. Are you getting into the heavy hitters now? Well, I only have three. And so I'm saving one because I think it might might possibly be one of your favorites. Okay. But this other one is difficult because it's also kind of a spoiler. So I'm going to let Sandra tell me if I'm going to have to cut this out. (laughs) Okay. But my second one is actually Us. (gasps) Ooh, good pick. The the twist of that, that underground like shadow people yes was so surprising and powerful to me and it it really did creep me out this this idea of these doppelgangers living underground yeah and absolutely and them rising up and basically taking over for their overworld you know uh you know doubles it was it, it was so powerful and scary to me and it actually has gotten more scary over time as uh-huh. i think about it more and more oh i think that is a very good and very surprising pick absolutely yeah I, I didn't i never thought about it in terms of cult and now it's completely fascinating i love that yeah. um i'm we're big jordan peele fans are you jimmy absolutely yay He's phenomenal He's phenomenal. Um, And I, you know, a lot of people, this kind of suffered from the sophomore slump for them. You know, it was a lot of hype being his second big movie after, you know, the phenomenon that was his first. And I think people were a little harsh on this movie. Um, Like, again, there's some stuff that if you want to look at it as plot holes, you can look at it. But I mean, he has said that he has backstory for everything in this film. But they just, you know, couldn't put it all in. Um, yeah, no, it's, I thought it was good. Very creepy. And the bunnies. Yeah, it's very high concept, which is why I, I understand it didn't necessarily do as well as his first. But that that high concept is really kind of what did it for me. And, and there's a lot of people who, you know, I really respect their opinion. And, and I really, you know, I really like hearing their opinions on movies that really did not like us. But it for some reason, it just really affected me. Yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was so scary. And it was so like, you know, it's like, it, what if the, like this cult thing is just your the shadow version of you, like, mm. whatever repressed subconscious thing that's trapped underground. 
it's yeah. still like in this way related to you. I mean, in that way, it was such a fairy tale because there's like doppelgangers, and, you know, this like hidden kingdom almost that comes up for its time in the sun. Oh, it's just, I thought it was awesome. Oh, I'm so glad you agreed. It was a fun, it was a fun and horrifying film. <laughs> yeah, God, did I just give like the whole movie away? Do I need to keep my mouth shut? How do we feel about spoilers before I keep going? <laughs> I'm 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 not sure how I feel about spoilers on that. We're going to I'm going to kind of touch on that when I get to the editing stage. I think we might tell people, "Here's a spoiler skip for the next 2 minutes if you don't want to hear one." Yeah, us spoilers for the next uh 5 minutes or so. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> fair hey, enough. It's a fun episode. I mean, even including it in this list is a spoiler. I so. think a lot of horror people have seen that movie though. Yeah, that's it's, true. Yeah. They should have if they haven't. Right? That's their own fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I'm debating doing another honorable mention or getting into my heavy hitters. Maybe I'm not you might sure. have to go into the heavy hitters. All right. Let's just do it. And then at the end, I'll say my three honorable mentions. Okay. Okay. Um, so just jumping right in, my next movie is Hereditary by Ari Aster. Um, d- is that on anybody else's list? It, it's not on mine. Oh, you, Jimmy? But I do I do love it very, very much. I don't know why I didn't put it on mine. <laughs> That's okay. That's always kind of the fun part of lists like this is you're like, oh, my God, freaking obviously. Um, that's part of the fun for sure. So I think a lot of people have seen Hereditary get the gist. Um, it's about a family in crisis uh, struggling with grief and eventually with cults. <laughs> and Tony Collette is an absolute goddess. I'm going to say I'm a huge sucker fangirl for Ari Aster. I will watch anything that man ever directs, writes, anything. Absolutely. Uh, and this, the movies that he makes are so beautiful, too, just visually. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm in awe of them. Um, I mean, Mid- Midsummer was that way for me, too. I just couldn't take my eyes off. Oh my gosh! I I think we're gonna be talking about that one. <laughs> I think we're gonna be talking about that one. <laughs> okay, well, let's stick with Hereditary first. <laughs> yeah, um, there's something about the color palette of Hereditary that's is kind of like when I try to think of this movie, I think of it in colors. I think of it as like a dingy, swampy, mossy green and gold. And I don't know why, but I just feel like my brain becomes saturated with those colors when I think about this film. It's like the living room furniture feel too in this yeah. way. Um, just like this is what, you know, your comfortable house looks like when the lights are off. I don't know. Yes. And, and- um, hey, Jimmy, remember that thing you were saying about dinner table conversation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That definitely comes up in this one. <laughs> yeah. Is there a better example? My God. Um, and just the, oh, the themes in this movie are so huge. I don't know, we might have to make this a little spoilery, but should we make it a little spoilery? We're going to have to make it spoilery. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just putting going to put a spoiler warning on this episode, I yeah. think. Because um, when the big reveal of the cult really comes into play, and you see a lot of naked people from all different walks of life... <laughs> And uh, you get the sense of how massive this conspiracy has been against this family and how for generations, poor Payman has just been trying to find a body. And uh, I know you're not supposed to sympathize with Payman, but I do. (laughs) 
you know, it's tough when you just want to, you know, you just want to walk around and like eat stuff and hang out and you can't because you're in the spirit realm. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just want to play with your coins and be the conjurer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it, I, I can't put into words how much I absolutely loved this movie. Um, I had tears in my eyes when I saw it in the theaters and I just burst out clapping. It, it just in that way that I was like a few horror movies have done to me where I was so captivated and so disgusted. And, um, I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Never seen anything like it. Oh man. Watching that in the theater was such a beautiful experience too, because um, for me, at least, like everyone in the theater I saw it in was afraid and very afraid. So uh, this is a small spoiler, but there's a certain scene where someone is on a ceiling. <laughs> Let's remember that. And um, <laughs> you kind of don't notice it at first, you know. Like, yes. But it was so fun to sit in the theater because people, every time somebody would notice it, they would scream. So it was like popcorn, just screams happening at random all <laughs> over the room. You know. Like, yes. <laughs> I, it was so scary. I, just I, loved it. I love that. I love that feeling. And like in movies and stuff when that happens, because everybody's finding it at different times and the other people are like, what? What? Where is it? I don't see it. What's happening? Yes, exactly. And the, the patience of letting that scene play out in that way. Like, we don't have to hit you with the big scare. We're just going to leave it there. Yeah. And you'll see it when you see it. It, it, it's, it's, it was such a cool way to do that. I don't know. I loved it. And Again, the crowd was so good when I saw it. There was one guy who would not shut up. He kept talking. And sometimes I get annoying. Like, I'm like, oh, I turn around. I was like, shut up, man. And he goes, I'm sorry. I'm just scared. Like oh. And I was like, it's okay. I'm scared, too. And then it was fine. But, We're all yeah. scared, man. Hold my hand. <laughs> um, yeah. Scott, tell us your feelings on Hereditary. Okay. I, w- I wasn't really going to go into it. Hereditary is not my favorite. Uh, I found it to be horrifying. I mean, yeah. some of the scariest, most like disturbing scenes in a movie that I can think of. Yes. But um, overall, it, it um. You don't know if you enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. I, I you appreciate it, but you don't enjoy it. I appreciate it. it, but I didn't enjoy it. I don't have any desire to watch it again. Uh, once <laughs> um, was enough. Once was more than enough for me. Uh, the I, I cackle demonically. The, the 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 worst the worst stuff, and by worst I mean best stuff in that movie was in the middle for me. Uh, starting from the you know the real first horrifying moment um, after the party. Oh yeah. Um, and then going through that, which can we just say he is so good at dealing with grief? Yes. It's that that's that's, you know, I don't know if you want to call it scary, but that's the most effective part of that entire movie. Yes. Uh, is just so powerful. Uh, but I, I maybe it's because I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it later on when Sandra had me watch it at home. But the 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 twist ending didn't didn't fit with the feeling uh, that, that the rest of the movie created for me. That's very interesting perspective. Yeah. And I and I wanted you to share it because I'm sure other people have 
interesting takeaways from that movie too. And all that matters to me is that you appreciated it. Oh, I definitely appreciate it. And I think that he is an incredible director, writer. Did he write and direct that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the acting was fantastic. The casting was great. The cinematography, it, it, when you talk about colors, you're absolutely right. Although throw in there some bright orange as well for me. Um, <laughs> like Charlie sweatshirt. I, I appreciate it as a very powerful movie. It's just, um, it was really the ending that didn't do it for me. And maybe that's, maybe that's part partially just bias from I have trouble with movies that have those type of endings. (laughs) I think some of those movies we'll probably be talking about a little bit later in this episode too. So (laughs) uh, I'll just keep that in my back pocket. But some of those movies, I, it's hard for me to enjoy movies sometimes with that kind of a, um, an ending theme. All right. Uh, Real quick. Can I just say, I love, I love you guys. I love the way you guys talk back and forth about this stuff and disagree in such a beautiful way. Oh, oh thank super you. Super into it. Oh, <laughs> it's thank very you. nourishing to my soul. Oh. <laughs> we try to be kind, and especially because, like, especially, like, Scott knows I'm so impassioned about this movie. I try to be respectful in any criticisms or Same. dislikes I have, uh, with one with one exception. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever read um, Annihilation? The Annihilation series? Yes. I love those books. I hate those books. <laughs> and hate is a strong word, <laughs> but I hate him. <laughs> oh, interesting. I loved the first one, and they kind of tapered off for me after that. But okay. I thought the first one was perfect. I, by the end of it, I was a little confused. <laughs> so I'm sort of in the middle here. It, yeah, that was the first episode where I ad- had to start adding bleeps to our episodes because <laughs> I was. So we had a we had a guest on. So it was a, it was it was three people like this, and mm-hmm. I knew that Sandra and the guest had both read the full series, and I I noped out after book two, which I never do. That's I not ne- allowed it, on the show. Not allowed on the show. But I yeah. knew the two of them had done it, so it's like I I this 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 is literally making me angry and bleeding out into other aspects of my life. I cannot complete this series. Damn, you really hated it. (laughs) I really hated it. And so when we're in the spoiler section and and Amanda, our guest, starts talking about what happens to him at the end, I lost it. (laughs) He like ripped off his headphones and he was like, no, no. And we captured that in the episode. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the only time that I've really just been like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, there, there's, there's no constructive criticism coming from Scott on this one. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a dark day, dark day in genre junkies history. But anyway, to rewind, thank you for that compliment because we do try very hard and we, some, we, we often have um, conversations, the two of us on how to make sure that we keep that dynamic. Yeah. Um, let's see. So that was my pick, Hereditary. How about you, Jimmy? Okay, I went. This is kind of um, a little bit of a twist. I hope it's okay. Yes. Um, uh, I picked Green Room. Oh, you know, that has, my gosh, this is yet another one of your picks that we have not seen. And I'm familiar with this movie. No, Green Room is, it's like a, it's like a survival horror movie about um, a band that is on tour that runs out of money. And they, after a a bad show gets booked, so they are sent to um, a makeup show kind of in this weird, this guy's cousin's compound in the middle of the woods and they show up to play and they realize that 
everyone there is a Nazi. Ugh. Oh. And they all live in this compound. Yeah. And they're like, so it, it's like a white supremacist cult movie. Oh. <laughs> that's kind of, and then they um, eventually see something they're not supposed to and wind up trapped in, backstage in the green room and they can't get out. Okay. So and this has, uh, Go ahead. oh yeah, this has Captain Jean-Luc Picard from the USS Enterprise in it, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it does indeed. Patrick Stewart. There you go. Who's a great villain, a fantastic villain. And oh. it is so gory and so gross. Ooh. But, um, you know, it's like these people who believe in this, uh, you know, this white supremacist agenda yeah. so strongly they're willing to die for it. It is a religion. They keep saying yeah. it's not a political party. It's a movement. But you get the feeling that it's deeper than that. It's like it's this ideology. You know, it's it's yeah. And there's like hierarchies in it. There's like all of these like hyper racist dudes have. You know, like there's like the priest level and all of this stuff all the way down. They have rituals, they have, you know, everything. So in that sense, it's kind of, you know, this is me trying to push like, oh, it's cult movie. But, you know, I think it works that way. But yeah. I do recommend it. And Anton uh, Yelchin, I guess, he, he passed away, is so good at it. He's just an excellent, hardcore, uh, I guess he's the bass player, <laughs> I think. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's my pick. Oh, I know that was on so many people's like top 10 lists when it came out. And I'm embarrassed I haven't seen it. And I actually have um, been waiting to see it to watch it with Scott because I knew he'd want to see Patrick Stewart in this like so uncharacteristic role. So we could have been watching that last night instead of Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. <laughs> you know what, Scott? Those are fighting words. And we will gang up on you. <laughs> Well, hey, I'm just saying, you guys might like it. I love the first time I watched it, I like walked out of the theater and I was shaking because I was so tense because it was just like loud and mm. violent. And it's a uh, Jeremy, I don't know how to say his name right, Salnir. Mm. Uh, he also did Blue Ruin and um, you know, uh, Hold the Dark, which was like a, a newer one that I, uh, I also liked. But um, uh -huh. anyway, you should check it out, it's pretty good. Ooh, okay. Good that, to know. Are we watching a back to back? Are we watching back to back horror movies tonight? We're watching a Jimmy Marathon tonight. I think so. Brought to you by Jimmy. I'm so honored. <laughs> I hope that um, I hope that you guys like these movies. I'm just you know throwing them out there. So. Oh, I I think I think we're on the same page the here. Same page, yeah. I'm worried to go next because I only have one left, and I am afraid that well, it, I only have two left. I I think this might be one of your top ones. This is my top one. I think okay. I have two left, and I have a feeling that we have the same one here at the, at the, at this spot. Yeah. Let's just do it. I mean, okay. we, we, you know, we can't make the episode last forever, unfortunately. So my number one is a very recent film and it is Midsummer. Yay. Yes. And considering, considering that I didn't, you know, love Hereditary and just appreciated it, it came as a huge surprise for me for Midsummer to affect me as much as it did. It is strong. It is feminine. It is horrifying. It's uplifting in a very tale. odd. It is a fairy tale more than it is a horror film. You're right. And you want to talk about colors. This one has every color under the rainbow. Those, those beautiful sepia tones and those feel i mean it's just it's a beautiful film it's beautifully shot it's incredibly well acted and you want to talk about a cult that you feel like should exist and 
maybe is a better place, it certainly is for her. Yeah. And I was rooting for her for the entire for the entire film. And I was rooting for her to to just accept this this community and join this family and just become the the the, the best version of herself. Ah, so, <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I was gonna say Jimmy, you weigh in first. <laughs> oh my God. It was first off, it's I you know, the beginning of the movie has scenes set at night, but the rest of the movie is all in daylight. And, right, um, yeah. Somehow that's creepier. Yes. I, I don't think I've ever seen that in another movie before. I've never seen the scariest things happen in the daylight like that. Um, and that that blew me away. Uh, just the intricacy of, like, the set design, all of that painting was incredible. I couldn't get enough of the costumes. Uh, the mushroom scene was awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I thought it was mesmerizing. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad you agree. And this was going to be my next mention too. Um, I absolutely adored this movie. I, another one where I had tears in my eyes and I just started clapping. Um, he, Ari Aster does describe it as a fairy tale. And I think that that's really apt. It's like fairy tale folk horror. And I do love me some folk horror. Um, and the performances, especially by the lead actress, I want to say Florence Pugh, something like that. She's absolutely stunning in this role. And it is another wonderful depiction of grief. But it's a wonderful de depiction of depression as well in this film and of a a relationship that's run its course and it's become toxic and it's become codependent and unhealthy. <sighs> I mean, that opening scene, the murder-suicide, is, mm -hmm. I mean, atrocious beyond words. And... Uh. There's something about the cult, like you said, Scott, where it's like, it's really close to being ideal. Like the way um, they all feel each other's pain. Like, you know, when they cry, they all cry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of that whole offing yourself when you're like 70 or whatever. And it's like, it's just so accepted. And it's, you have to put on your anthropologist hat a little bit too in this one and be like, am I judging these people unfairly? I don't know. Yeah, I love that part of it, that aspect of it too. Um, how much you are like this is in so many ways a better life, and I, I, you know I'm an outsider to this community, and my moral values don't transcend in the way that I. And it was so smart yeah. to frame them as as sociology students, right? Yeah, um, I thought that was because that that was a good way to make sure they would stay even after they were afraid. Yeah, it was such a smart movie. Yeah, taking away those um, Judeo-Christian overtones. And so you're just like, okay, like, this isn't all right. But then at the same time, all of the really gruesome stuff, they only do that every 90 years. So then you're yeah. like, it's more 90 years. Is that so bad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tell that to the, to the who, who lost the game of Skin the Fool. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. There's something yeah. to be said about that film and, and that cult in particular, where it's so easy to rely on, you know, Christian washing when it comes to themes and then and then going down a strict, you know, bastardized paganism route and their their belief structure, their their thing. Th there, there's 
there's definitely um, themes from different cultures inside of it, but it itself is is very unique, and and he doesn't lean on other people's cultures to create this this world, this belief system. He really creates something of its own, so that I feel like there's 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 very little um, appropriation in it. Yeah, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, um, it's nice because it's like he's borrowing from real pagan traditions, but at the same time, it is kind of its own thing. He's not implying that, okay, they're all witches. Uh, this is what witches are like. This is what witches are like all around the world. Or yeah. this is what paganism is. Or this is what... It's like this specific... It's like this is just this specific little world and their yeah. specific little culture and their specific beliefs. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't... And, and while it borrows ideas from other cultures, because there's a lot of things that have existed in the world and a lot of different belief structures that have existed. And what a lot of those things are real Scandinavian and pagan traditions. Yeah. yeah. But he, he doesn't... He doesn't make it um he doesn't doesn't make it generalized he makes yeah. it very specific to them and Ooh, i that's such a yeah. good point wow yeah <laughs> and Sorry, i go ahead thank you I, yeah i love it as looking at it as like a feminist film too absolutely she gets to be the uh the mate queen the switch where you're like you when you start to realize how big of it an asshole her boyfriend is too mm. as he slowly reveals himself you're like wait a minute yeah. <laughs> you're like sit please. down yeah exactly yeah. he's gonna steal his friend's term paper idea or sorry thesis idea and yeah you're just like you are not nice and can I just say, I think it's really powerful that he's clearly kind of an asshole through the whole thing, and you don't really like him, and he's not really good to her, and, and you kind of want her to move on. But the moment the moment when you realize, no, he's just a bad person, when he betrays his male friend. Yes. He's an asshole to... to this woman throughout the entire movie and he's untrustworthy and he's unsympathetic but you but you still sometimes you still think that there's a little bit of of maybe redeemability in him until he betrays another man and i think that that's that's a power i don't know if it was intentional but i found that to be very powerful commentary to be like oh yeah totally you can forgive him for all this stuff until he messes with another guy i see what you're saying where it's like he um like you know he sucks at relationships and you can be like he's a sucky toxic boyfriend and then you're like oh no he's just a toxic person is that kind of what you mean it is kind of what I mean, but I think it's I think it's uh, a little bit of a commentary on on how men are seen and given extra chances when with the way that they interact with women. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. that's oh, very that's, interesting. That's so smart. Yeah, that's that's I, I know exactly what you're saying, and part of what's so amazing about that is um, when you watch him manipulating other people, you realize that he's not just like an insensitive boyfriend. He's been manipulating her in this like fierce way that probably has contributed so much to to you know it certainly hasn't helped her mental state right. this whole time it makes you even rethink their whole relationship yeah um and, but that you're right it's a total like it, it's a really powerful commentary in that way i hadn't even thought of that <laughs> i just realized that 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 the director's cut of that movie is playing not far from me tonight. I might have to go. You Ooh. might have to go. A special assignment. Yeah, I don't know what else. I, I don't know what the director's cut even means, but <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I guess it's longer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we haven't gotten the DVD yet, but I know it has the DVD. That oh really that really dated us. No, no, no. I I want the DVD because the I Blu-ray? whatever. <laughs> okay, it's still a DVD, isn't it? Um, sure. Yeah, okay. Because I want all the um the extra features and stuff and the commentary that you don't always get with digital. And I think there's an alternate ending too. Whatever, the take-home version as opposed to the download version. How many more movies do you have on your list, Jimmy? Um, I really have one and an honorable mention, so. Okay, Um, let's do it, I guess. Because Scott kind of took care of mine. I only have one left. Okay, um, um, this is another 70s one. I, I, I don't know why I went for so many older movies in this That's situation. Okay. Yeah. This this is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's uh it's the 1973 version of The Wicker Man. That's my honorable mention. Okay, nice. <laughs> I love this movie so much. Uh, I think it's so it's such a I mean, it's not a very scary movie as far as like you're not going to yell at any moment. But it's so pretty and like the costumes are so lovely and it's about uh, a police officer um, played really wonderfully by Edward Woodward, who mm-hmm. is called to uh, a small island to investigate the disappearance of a girl named Rowan Morrison. And when he arrives on the island, everybody's it's like a full pagan situation. Mm-hmm. And no one claims to have ever heard of the girl who is missing. That's 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 a solid setup. I, I think, think that's perfect. Um, Christopher Lee is in this movie. It, it is a Hammer film, isn't it? Yes, it yeah. is. And Christopher Lee is so marvelous in it. You get to see He's, a different side of him in this movie. He's <laughs> just having so much fun. Yeah. Like. And I, I think it's a Hammer film. Maybe yeah. it's not it, it, technically. I don't know, but he's in it, so it, it feels <laughs> like a Hammer film. Yeah. But it's... I just love this cop because this poor guy is like, obviously, I mean, he's a judgmental guy, but he's not a bad dude. He's trying to yeah. do the right thing and find this missing girl. And he is just in over his head. Yes. He has no hope. And it's a, it's such an interesting thing because he's this strong, like super devout Christian guy saving himself for marriage. And he's in this island of, of pagan, uh, of, of, you know, super sex positive pagan people. Yeah. And he has no idea what to do. And he's just, you just watch him get more and more terrified. Yeah. And, and more and more out of control, I, you know. And I remember the first time I saw this, I was like in my early teens, probably about 14. And I remember the ending having a really profound emotional effect on me that I was not expecting it to. And it like made me cry. It made me so sad. Yes. Yeah. And that's really when I, uh, you know, felt for the lead character. But um, it was just like, I don't know, there's something about the hopelessness, but also hopefulness of the ending. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a great example of the quote unquote villains kind of being the hero of their story too. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's such a beautifully ambivalent ending. Yeah. You know, it's like, which team are we on? And Christopher <laughs> Lee sums it up so well. He's like, you know, if this happens, then, you know, hey, and if this happens, you know, you're good. And it's like, yes. You know, I, I can't fault your logic, but <laughs> <laughs> it's problematic. But I mean, hey, um, yeah, no, it's um, and it's interesting. I think the time period it was made into that point in the 70s. I mean, clearly it didn't work as a remake. If you saw that atrociousness. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the bees. That- 
It's ridiculous. What, what were they even thinking with that? Oh my gosh. I mean, it was a disaster from the start, but I really think that, um, I don't know, folk horror needs the right time and place. Um, and I do, like we kind of talked about with Midsummer and a few other things, uh, love folk horror. And this is just a great example of that and cult. Absolutely. Oh, cool. I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad. I feel, I feel good about how many of these we've agreed on. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, should I have you say your last honorable mention? And then I we'll- say you, you go for it. Oh, okay. Well, because that was my last honorable mention. Now I just have my number one movie. Okay. Well, my last honorable mention is, is pretty, pretty out there. Okay. Um, we love that, your out there picks. I don't know why I went with so many 70s movies, but I did. <laughs> um, this one is, uh, it's called Race with the Devil. I've heard of this. Another one I'm ashamed to say I have not seen. No, it's totally okay. I, um, I only heard of it because my friend Bill Boyle, who's a crime writer, William Boyle, he his like hero is Warren Oates, the character actor, um, and he's one of my favorites too. So he got me watching every Warren Oates movie, and this one is Peter Fonda and Warren Oates um, are uh, they're like motorcycle dealers, <laughs> and they go on a trip in an RV with their uh, I think their wives, and they accidentally witness a satanic occult doing a human sacrifice oops and then yeah they jump in their rv and try to drive away but the cult people follow them so it's like a cult car chase movie oh my gosh and it's very 70s and very over the top but it's totally awesome and it does get genuinely scary because as they're fleeing this cult they can't ever figure out every time they stop somewhere they're like wait a minute are you in the cult and they can't Ooh. ever figure out who to trust and who not to trust. And uh, plus, like, you know, it's it's a uh, stunt driving and then uh, a giant camper. It's completely hilarious. Oh, my gosh. So that's that's why it's an honorable mention. because <laughs> It's not, you know, it's just kind of a curiosity, but it's a really yeah. good curiosity. So. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I think I'd like to check that out. Um Okay, my number one movie. I think we'll surprise I, no one. We'll surprise no one. Surprise no one. My favorite movie of all time, Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> what a perfect movie. It is a perfect movie. Um, of course, directed by Roman Polanski, starring Mia Farrow. Yeah, it's this movie is just everything to me. I have a tendency to watch it when I wrap Christmas presents. Is like kind of my <laughs> is this true? Is and it's one of my comfort movies that I like to put on when I'm feeling low. Um everything about this movie it's the 60s in new york and it's gorgeous and it's such a time capsule it's paranoia at its best and you know just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're not wrong um Mm -hmm. er everything is beautiful about this movie and powerful and strange and i adore it i uh, I'm. It's like one of those things. It's like I. I can't even. I've loved it so much. Probably since I was about thirteen was the first time I saw it. Uh, Ruth Gordon is everything. <laughs> it's it's a completely perfect movie. It's totally fabulous. Everything about it. It's one of my top ten favorite movies ever. Thank the you. only reason it's not my number one is because I was like, man, I was trying to. I was trying to like fake everybody out. I got to <laughs> be a better shot. Just being honest. You did it's great. So and and John Cassavetes is so good at oh, it too. It's just God. such a terrible husband oh he's the worst (laughs) just a total jerk 
I mean, he goes above and beyond being like a sexist guy of the time to, I mean, he sold his wife to the devil. I know. For fame and fortune. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. We're good the whole time. And he just shuttles her around. It's awful. Oh, my gosh. The betrayal of it. And, I mean, (sighs) Rosemary, for me, like, I interpret it the way that it is like actually a great female empowerment film and you know she starts out as being so docile and submissive and then by the end you know when she could really just be kind of a a stuffed wall piece and they're just not they're not gonna do anything to her of course instead she rises up and takes her power back from all of these people and i love that so much about it uh that she's you know she's not gonna let anybody else take care of her baby she's gonna spit at her stupid freaking husband and like because like obviously going forward she has so much power in this organization and in this new world order that it's like yeah girl embrace it lean into it It's totally, it's so great. It's so, well, uh, yeah, and, and she's set up by everybody, but then, yeah. yeah, she takes control. You're right, I haven't I hadn't thought of it in that way. That's, again, you guys are giving me new new insight into things I love. Aww. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you and I love it. Let's turn to, to Scott now for his counter-argument. <laughs> okay, no, let me, let me say that this is not on the same level as Hereditary. I love this movie i think that it's brilliant uh i think you said it perfectly jimmy it is the perfect film it's perfectly constructed it's perfectly paced it's perfectly cast acted um however (laughs) that perfection um makes it one of the most disturbing films i've ever seen for me um yeah you know if and not everyone had this experience but i think a lot of you will remember when you were like five or six or maybe eight and you went and saw your first like scary ish movie mine was jurassic park and you're crying in the theater you're crying at home and you say i don't i don't want to you know i want to go you're afraid of it i was a little bit of a chicken when i was a kid still am but uh this movie Sandra was genuinely worried for me after we finished this film. Many, many years. Yeah, this was many years ago. And I was, I sat in silence, like just kind of, just that's a, I was shell shocked probably for about 45 minutes. It, it, um, it damaged me. So. It was never the same as Innocence was shattered. Well, and I didn't I didn't know really anything about the film when we when we did watch it. I mean, I'd heard of it, I'd heard that it was he fantastic. Knew I, loved I heard it. It's that, that she loved movie. it. But I didn't actually know what the you know, what the twist was. I didn't know what the point was. I didn't know what the actual story was. It, right. it, I, I really it, I really was able to come at it with just a completely fresh mind. And it really bothered me. It still does. It still does this day. Mm-hmm. I have seen it again since. And yeah. I was able to appreciate it more for everything that it is. But it really, it really disturbs me as a... As someone who was raised Catholic, I think that that had a part that had something to do with it. Maybe it was the bassinet. 
I know. How can you follow that? Scott's trauma with this film. Uh, it is. I mean, it's a truly traumatic film. It's so scary and it remains so scary all of these years later. It hasn't yeah. lost any of its impact, I don't think. And even as so many movies have ripped it off, no one has done it nearly this well. And Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, Ruth Gordon is so perfect in it. Um, just this kindness that you can't trust at all. (laughs) That's right. Don't trust the nice old people. Yes. (laughs) And like, there's something about, you know, standing up to people and standing up to yourself. I'm a fan of uh, my favorite murder podcast. I don't know if you know those gals. Um, I love them. And they have a phrase on that show, which is politeness. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so true because like, that's, you know, how you get into trouble is when you're too polite, too nice to these people. Uh, True. I mean, sometimes you just kind of shut the door and say, get, get the hell out of my apartment. And of course she won't. (laughs) No. And then of course, you know, then her husband guy is like, because at first he was like, no, screw these old people. And then he's like playing on her, her Catholic Midwestern guilt about it of like, oh no, you got to be nice to them because, you know, obviously he wants, you know, to be on their good side. Um, And it's like, oh, you Damn you, guy. He's so awful in this movie. He's the worst. I mean, he is the worst. Oh, yeah. I guess uh, that's another thing that we have going in all of these movies are really terrible boyfriend husbands. <laughs> that's so true, though. All right. It is. Uh, all right. I guess we should let you say your, your top pick. Wicker Man was my top pick. Oh, my so God. I'm, I'm, I'm tripping. <laughs> Blame the cold medicine, you guys. <laughs> It's all um, good. No, we've we've been through. We've been on quite a journey. We've been on quite a journey here today on Genre Junkies. Um, that was absolutely an amazing list of films, you guys, and some new things to watch. Mm. I'm stoked. I'm going to watch VHS 2 as, as soon as I get done with the laundry. That's my day. Ah, <laughs> love it. Oh, I'm yeah, thrilled. laundry. Good point. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming to my birthday party. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It was such an honor. I really appreciate it, and I hope we can do more episodes where we talk about horror with you. Oh, and also write more books. We can talk to you about your books. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, just I'll, get on that. Just just write those books. I will do my best. Right after the- <laughs> Thank you for caring. <laughs> laundry, VHS2, write some books. There's your day. <laughs> All right. Any final words from anybody? It's just so great to be to to hear two horror nerds talking about horror movies and being able to to pop in there myself. So I had a lot of fun. Scott, you're an amateur horror nerd, but you can hold your own. Uh, yeah. Okay. You've come quite a ways in 13 years. I have. You have you have taken me a long way. I've taken you under my wing and I've shown you the horrible sights. <laughs> just like Hellraiser. <laughs> Good movie. Thank you again, Jimmy, so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody, please keep reading or watching past your bedtime. 